Hello and welcome to the March edition of the Xcoders Community Podcast. I'm Jared Sorge, and this month I'm joined by Vancouver Xco's uh, champion, Alan Pike. Thanks for joining, Alan. Oh, thanks for having me. So your history uh, in Vancouver Xcoders is is one where you guys were a group called VanCoco before, and then you became Vancouver Vancouver Xcoders. I'm wondering a little bit of history about VanCoco and the transition into Vancouver Xcoders. Yeah, so that started quite a few years back now, 2013, which doesn't seem like it could be seven years ago, but it was. <laughs> um, and the origin of uh, VanCoco was partly actually I had come down to Seattle and visited uh, the Van- the Seattle Xcoders group and seen what a sort of senior engineer targeted uh, iOS meetup group could look like, uh, or not iOS, mm-hmm. but Mac and Coco and and uh Apple development meetup group could look like. And then at the time in Vancouver, and we still do, we have a meetup group that is focused on Apple technologies, but much more kind of lean towards helping people get into the tools and the technology and which is great. Like that's really Mm -hmm. use. I've always been an advocate for in any community having meetup groups for specific angles of things or subgroups of things that allows like you know birds of a feather to find each other um but for mm-hmm. vancouver especially at the time there was kind of this one group that was pretty pretty beginner focused but there wasn't really anywhere where people were talking about how do you debug really difficult core data problems <laughs> or that kind of stuff <laughs> and so you know not that you want exclusively that but to people share war stories and kind of blow minds a little bit like that's one of the things i really enjoy in a meetup is to go in and have someone who is way smarter than me tell me things or tell a story that well then either inspires or you know helps me kind of give context for all the things that i don't know and so mm-hmm. i pitched the people who are running the existing ios group like hey what do you, what do you think about maybe the, some suggestions about making having some more talks that are a little more advanced and maybe taking out the part of the meetup that is where the founder of the meetup reviews apple tech blog post from the last month to just tell Mm -hmm. people how the apple rumor mill is going um and that was not very (laughs) positively received it's like nope that's what our group is i'm like okay uh time to start uh, a new group and actually i also checked in with the uh there's a cocoa heads group in vancouver that was like five people Uh who just met at a coffee shop and i was Mm -hmm. like hey what do you think of making this into more of a speaker series around like more professional like more senior uh, development topics and that was also not well received so i'm like (laughs) okay well i guess i'm starting a group now and that was not that wasn't the goal but it was the necessary thing to be done in order to create the thing that i wanted to exist uh and at the time that became van coco that's really cool and something i've wanted to see us do it in Seattle and and the East side is to have like a themed night of talks where it is more beginner focused. Cause it's really easy or it's common to get like the debugging LLDB and Python kind of thing. And if you're a newcomer, yeah. it's like you are, what is going on here? <laughs> For sure. Uh, so having, having that group and, and uh, that audience is, is really cool to have the beginners do, do the people from the beginners groups often cross over into uh, the Vancouver Xcoders group, or? Yeah, we have a quite a decent overlap. Like, there's a, a certain subgroup that that will only go to one or the other, and then there's a decent group that goes to both. And because mm-hmm. there's both groups, and there have been other groups come and go as well, um, that's taken some pressure off that. Like, some groups end up being the de facto. We are the sole group for this technology in this city, and so they end up kind of with a 
not an, not really an obligation, but a felt obligation. It's like we have to meet on this very frequent schedule <laughs> and always be exactly lined up so that this community has somewhere to interact. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas having multiple groups on sort of related parts of the technology world in Vancouver has meant that we can have a you know roughly every other month schedule, and they can have a roughly every month schedule. And, as, and we try to not make them on the same day. Yeah, uh, and then it ends up being like a, a pretty good balance. And then often people will go to both, or people can kind of subsort into. Um, there's some people who are really on the. I want to ha- see the most advanced talk and some people who really want the chill um sort of intro stuff and or more of the community apple news stuff and things like that and so it's good Mm -hmm. that there's both options absolutely and i suppose if you ever do wind up on the same night you can have a jets versus sharks kind of like dance off to see who goes (laughs) where which would be interesting uh, especially i try to avoid that but (laughs) (laughs) i think it has happened once and i was like oh sorry Uh, but we try to try to not have that happen so how did the yeah. the desire to change from Vancouver to Vancouver Xcoders come about? Yeah, that was something that came kind of at uh, the midpoint. We've been doing it for a few years, and we got some amount of traction. But I I guess I had previously, my experience of running a meetup had come from the meetup I started a few years prior to that, um, which was a JavaScript meetup back mm-hmm. when I was a web developer in my, like the bad old days or <laughs> whatever. Everyone has different opinions about, uh, JavaScript. Although I think nowadays that like TypeScript and stuff have come along. People, it's more cool to just make fun of JavaScript because anyway, not to turn into a whole digression <laughs> about web cool development. I iOS developers to make fun of JavaScript for React Native. I think that's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. still a cool thing. Yeah. Well, and also JavaScript as a language is just a really weird language. Even if you use it it's and true. like it it's a pretty strange language um yeah. but there we so i was writing this javascript meetup and very very quickly we had like more than 100 people coming because javascript <laughs> was in this huge renaissance era just by like dumb luck it kind of stumbled into like hey maybe there should be this group for this thing and that's like at the beginning of like big single page uh thick client web apps being built and stuff so mm-hmm. that set my expectations of like okay now we're going to start that for ios and like so we're going to have like more than 100 people come um and that didn't happen. And so we were getting, you know, 20 something people. And it's like, okay, I'm pretty sure there's like hundreds of, of like Cocoa developers in Vancouver. So where are they? Um, and mm-hmm. so p- playing with a few different things, like, to, to, you know, experimenting with programming and exactly what kind of talks that we have. But eventually it got to the point where I was like, okay, you know, town town meeting uh, and brought together a bunch of people who were coming to the group. And I was like, hey, what are people's thoughts on how we can grow this? And the two most popular things that came out of it were one, maybe in uh, some way of rebranding as something relating to an existing group or something that people would more likely to recognize. Because Coco, mm-hmm. you know, people who've been Apple developers for a long time, I built Mac apps before I built iOS apps. Mm-hmm. To me, Coco is like, oh, okay, obviously that's how we build uh, things for the Apple platforms. But when right. you are a relatively new iOS developer, you might think UIKit, you might think Xcode, you might think iOS, but you might not be super think of the term Coco, even though that mm-hmm. is like the name of the underlying framework. So the idea of naming it after something else was appealing um, and also potentially sharing some like mind share with Seattle Xcoders, which had had a really positive experience visiting um, a few years prior and then also the combination of that with a lot of people were saying hey we because without getting into a whole side story of this we (laughs) created a custom website for vancoco instead of using meetup because i had a bunch of bad experiences with meetup running Mm -hmm. a javascript meetup and just 
it's fine, but there's just all sorts of things about it. It's like, this doesn't suit the way I think of running a meetup. And so, but a lot of people were like, you know what, maybe just put it on meetup.com and just suck it up. And so we did those two things at once. We did the rename and talked to the Seattle Xcoders folks and sort of did, oh, you know, we'd be interested in potentially having this be Vancouver Xcoders, but what would be involved in that and trying to define a little bit about do we have a shared vision of what makes an Xcoders group an Xcoders group? And because mm-hmm. if we have divergent ver- visions, we don't want to try and create some sort of like, oh, well, we've never had that at an Xcoders group or, you know, <laughs> make sure that we're kind of on the same page. And there's actually interesting, there was a little bit of like, like, well, is it really about this or really about that? Like when you ask an established group of people like what defines you you create mm-hmm. interesting conversations um but eventually we were able to come to like uh like oh actually there's a lot of overlap of what the visions of the two groups are and so we relaunched last year as uh, vancouver xcoders and uh, since then we've had increased attendance as well as been able to run more frequently so um so far success that's super cool i'm glad to hear that it's been uh, a good outcome that you're getting more people and been able to to meet more frequently that's that's really cool. I remember when the conversations were happening uh, about Vancouver becoming a Vancouver X coders. Like we were kind of on the Seattle side. Like, well, what what does actually make us X coders? What are the things we want to yeah. be as a group? And it's not really something we'd ever talked about before. Um, I know Paul Garaki had written the code of conduct, which we still have in place, and that was about it. I think there wasn't any like codifying values of what is an X coders group. So that was a an interesting exercise to go through. Yeah, there's a little bit of discussion about the place of values-wise, you know, how much is the group, how important is bringing new people into the community to the group? How important mm-hmm. is having uh, new speakers that haven't given talks before? How important mm-hmm. is having people from out of town give talks and versus how important is people local community? That was one of the things right. that I think was the first initial difference or like the biggest like initial assumptions. Like I think to some of the people in that the Seattle Xcoders group, there was a sense that one of the most important purposes of, of Xcoders was to give local uh, people who live in the local area a chance to practice speaking and being able to get their message out there and share what they're learning. Mm-hmm. And to me, one of the things that I had really found success with and enjoyed doing with our VanJS meetup that we've been doing and then with VanCoco was to have sometimes have external speakers from other cities who are visiting or whatever and have be able to share that with the Vancouver community and so mm-hmm. there was a little initially a like uh, well should we is that is that an important difference or is that just two different styles and like the more we talked about it we realized like oh actually both of these things are valuable and you as long as it's not like this is a thing where only people from outside Vancouver come talk yeah. uh, then as opposed to like hey about half the time one of the two talks is someone who's visiting and one thing that I really like about the visiting speakers when we are able to get somebody who works at a you know a high profile company or worked on something high profile or maybe something somebody people have heard from Twitter or something is that it brings people out of their uh, their routine who would follow the group and be like yeah i really should go to that Xcoders <laughs> thing sometime but then eventually it's like oh well Brent Simmons is giving a talk okay cool i'll I'll come out and then they actually meet the people and the group becomes real to them. And it's not just an email that they get every couple of months that says, Oh yeah, that thing's happening. And they're like, ah, and then those people maybe come again for the future events. So I do like that as like an onboarding thing. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's cool. That's a good point. Um, Cause it is really easy to think, Oh yeah, Xcoders, I should go to that and then not go. 
And then that becomes like your cycle. Meetup is like, hey, join this group, join this group, join this group. And all of a sudden yeah, you're sure. a member yeah. of like 50 groups. Uh-huh. And there's no way you're going to all those events in one in one month, you know. Not when you have kids. <laughs> <laughs> Not when you have kids or you're an introvert programmer like like mm-hmm. some of us might be. Yeah, like um, like a couple people in your programming meetup group may be introverted <laughs> programmers. So absolutely it's nice to give them a little bit of a pull to get them out of the normal routine of what do they do on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So what's the, the general vibe of the Vancouver group about like how many people do you, do you get coming out? Where do you meet? How often are you meeting and that kind of thing? Yeah. So the format wise, we're doing two talks, which is something that just came out of, we've done for years and I've always enjoyed as like a, you know, gets more people out, but then also puts less pressure on each speaker. Uh, so mm-hmm. we do two talks and then the venue that we have is actually really been working really well it's a a film school that's just right downtown in the kind of startup neighborhood of vancouver and they have a theater that seats about 50 people 50 60 people Um, and it's like really yeah it's really good size and it it maybe not too different than the space that omni that uh seattle exclusions was using when i visited Mm -hmm. which maybe has changed since then um and the number of people that we would get out, we were getting in like the 20 something and now we're up to like the 40 something. So, you know, not the, not the hockey stick I saw with the JavaScript group, <laughs> um, but it's kind of, it's been growing over time. Um, and, you know, there's fluctuation depending on what the talks are at the time of year and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the kind of general size. Uh, and then talks wise, pretty like, you know, relatively advanced topics without getting into everything is like the extreme LLDB debugging. <laughs> internals or something like that but trying to have at least one talk that uh is pushing i I ask people like what is a really what is something you learned because that was really hard and you're like oh wow now i know know that thing that i would have thought was Hmm. beyond me or whatever and try to like some sort of war story or some sort of you know the story of something that failed or things like that is often what i'm trying to pitch people to to give the talks and then we do uh go out for drinks afterward which is a pretty like staple thing for a lot of meetups where it's about the talks are there to give something people kind of a common vision is like oh what is this group of people about oh well, it's people who care about these things and mm-hmm. then having the chance afterwards to obviously we don't want to pressure people that the drinking is the important part the a bunch of people sure. going out to then a place that we're allowed to talk and be loud afterwards is the, <laughs> yeah. the important part um and that's always a lot people get a lot out of that and people get hired out of that and people found companies out of that and people mm-hmm. like that's that's uh something that in some way like if you could have just that without the talks then you almost like if you had to pick one or the other, maybe you would pick the actually going out for beers afterward. But anytime <laughs> I've seen that happen, what ends up happening is that that group stops having an identity or a reason of like, why are we all here? And mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, then it becomes a cliquey and then you get this little friend group and new people stop showing up because it's like, okay, well, a bunch of people who I don't know are going to a bar. Um, so it's kind of, you need the yin and the yang, but the, mm-hmm. that's a key part too. Absolutely. So how often uh, does your group meet? Officially every other month is our goal. Okay. I don't know if we've ever actually hit that um, <laughs> because it's always like, oh, okay, well, we have this one speaker and then, oh, this other speaker. And they're like, oh, I think I'll be in town on this in this month. Oh, actually, it's going to be a month later. Okay. And then like Christmas time, we don't 
we often kind of get backlogged a little bit on our diligence of, of scheduling things. Mm -hmm. Um, so typically ends up being, uh, we had five, I think last year and then yeah, try for six again. Um, Mm -hmm. so, and that every other month flow for us has been like a sustainable from the perspective of the people running the group and like, which has historically been primarily me. And recently we have another uh, developer from the group, Malin uh, Sundberg in Vancouver, who's, she's a great developer and knows that the community quite well and the technology. So she's helping me like onboard some more speakers, which will get that flow nice. going, but it's a, a very like kind of, I don't call it grassroots that maybe that makes us sound more important than we are, but it's like a very, <laughs> you know, people who are in the business doing it, um, organized event, uh, that we try to have pretty high production value. So just having it auto recur monthly is something I've never been. And maybe that's just me being unwilling to just let go and say, okay, well, auto recurs monthly. And if we don't have speakers by then we just deal with it, uh, which is not a very Alan <laughs> Pike way of doing things, but maybe that's the, the like way things should actually happen. And maybe Mullen will take the torch at some point and she can be <laughs> willing to just be like, you know, what? it's just happening and maybe we just go to the pub um but i'm mm-hmm. a little bit of a perfectionist so i have a tendency to wait until we do have two awesome talks that we can invite everyone to to come see <laughs> yeah totally um so getting back to your your comment about just doing like social nights the the seattle group we meet officially every second thursday of the month and then right. the east side group meets every fourth thursday of the month and the CL group still gets together just for social gatherings on that fourth Thursday. And we still like do the talks a second Thursday and, and all that. And those are, those are great, but we still get a pretty good turnout for the people just coming out to the social events. And those are unofficial events. So we call them like unofficial Xcoders nights. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, I think it really does help build up the community between people. I say this also as someone who doesn't get out to the fourth Thursday ones that often. So uh, regrettably. I think that's something that we really should experiment with for Vancouver now that the group's more established. And then also as we're at this point where we're, we like the idea of meeting more often, but having the bandwidth and the wrangling and everything to get the space and the speakers lined up uh, mm-hmm. as frequently as we would like is sometimes challenging. If we just said, okay, well, every other one is a pub meetup and then every other one is a speaker meetup, mm-hmm. um, then that's something that I think we could probably... Having a regular schedule is really nice for one of those things where it's a like a, a just a pub night. Like there isn't really any reason for us to not have them on a regular schedule other than that the, when you're, you're like, Hey, Brent Simmons, come up to our meetup. And he'll say, when is it? And I'll say, Oh, it's this day. And he's like, well, I won't be in town that day. And then it's like, mm. well, we're moving our event then. Right. So, you know, not that the whole world needs to move for Brent, but I'm curious <laughs> what he has to say. Right. And so that's something that has pushed us to not having a recurring schedule, but for the beer part i mean we could have both i guess we could have he's more interested in the pub now i'm just brainstorming he's more interested in the pub so you you have to have the pub (laughs) attached to the speaker event in order to get him up um but you know (laughs) seattle vancouver is a is a a small trip so uh, well medium-sized trip depends everyone has a different definition of is two hours long or short or medium in terms of getting to another country Mm -hmm. yeah i'd love to take the train up there sometime i haven't been in vancouver since 2000 i think so i really need oh, to make wow. a trip up there at some a point. Lot. yeah yeah and even then i was just like driving through to get to a cruise ship so that was yeah i didn't really get to see vancouver at all 
Yeah, definitely summertime if you have a chance to come July, August, September. June's pretty good too. Um, then, mm-hmm. I mean, you know the exact weather because we have the same weather Seattle does. Um, <laughs> but if you're able to make it up in the like pretty nice weather uh, time of year, then there's a lot of fun things to do, a lot of fun outdoor activities, and uh, it's just a cool place to even just walk and do stuff. Absolutely, so, our family loves doing uh, and the that train stuff. is. Yeah, that's great for for families. The train is a bit of a trade off because it is really nice to just like it's way better than a plane in terms of you have way more space and you can sit and you get one of those little tables and play some games when you're on your way up but the actual as is the story of many trains in north america (laughs) the actual route of the track is very crowded in certain parts and so your travel time if you're coming from portland all the way through to vancouver then your travel time is not that much worse than a car but if you're just doing the seattle vancouver then you spend a lot of your percentage of your time in the like little switch like okay you have this train that can go at reasonable speed but it's like like going through this side thing and waiting for border security and it's so it's like you know we need this this uh, cascadia high-speed rail corridor plan to come through and get a, a 45 minute seattle to vancouver train which i believe be is amazing. possible but you know we just need a little bit more infrastructure yeah i'd love that and, and my kids love trains so they would love that too but awesome yeah um so tell me about yourself. We've we were just now meeting for the first time. Um, you run a company up in Vancouver, is that right? Yeah, we're called Steam Clock because there's a steam powered clock uh, up in Vancouver in this sort of startup neighborhood, and uh, we build apps. Shockingly, I'm sure you know the first that people <laughs> on this podcast may have heard. There's these thing called apps. They're <laughs> increasingly popular. First time here. Yeah, yeah, I know. But it's pretty cool. You should check it out. And we do a model that a lot of companies do uh, in the iOS world anyway, where we do apps for clients, and then we also build our own internal products. So Mm -hmm. we do probably about two-thirds to three-quarters of our our time on client work, and then we use that to fund uh, fun stuff that either are some moonshots where we're like, hey, maybe this will turn it into a huge uh, successful product or just fun things. Like we launched a game uh, in the last few weeks called Two Spies, which is like a turn-based spy strategy game that that uh, was a lot of fun to build. And we built it in Swift because, you know, we're app developers, so we're like, what should we build this game in? How about Swift? That's where all the so cool kids are writing fun. these days. I think that's, yeah, that's all the game developers out there. I don't, we may be one of the most successful games ever written in Swift. I don't know what the, I don't know of any other large games. Or not that we're a large game in the scheme of things, but like, you know, in the like hundreds of thousands of, of players, like there's, I don't know how many games there are that people, because now we're looking at, oh, people want an Android port. And then we're looking at Swift on Android. And we're like, uh, it's possible. I don't think it's there yet, there. though. Have you done any experimentation with that? Yourself? Not even a little bit, but yeah, uh, this Kotlin's the new hotness on Android. Yeah, and it's really similar goes. to Swift. Swift and Kotlin are quite similar, and so our first experiments were because we build a lot of native apps and we build for iOS and Android, so we want to not have to write an entire app twice. It would be mm-hmm. cool, but we don't really want to write any JavaScript if we don't have to. <laughs> and so looking at ways to, to do that. And so initially it's like, okay, we'll write it in Swift and then we'll translate it to Kotlin because it's really similar. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a little bit helpful and it got us a 
but then you're fixing bugs on both platforms still. And yeah. so the pr- experiment that we're doing in the next month or two is writing, we're having a bake-off where we write <laughs> a Swift app uh, on Android and a Kotlin app on iOS and then port them across from like whoa, their whoa. foreign platform to the yeah so we'll have like a two fire teams of two uh and we're gonna take a, a couple of weeks and and do that as a, a project which is something that where fascinating it's one of those like this could turn out really good or we'll have a blog post about how naive we were uh <laughs> and at the end of that i i'm curious to see <laughs> or we could shock ourselves and maybe both approaches are viable but um apparently the early worth, war, worth the a blog series either that, way i think yeah, the early sense is that Kotlin on iOS might be less bad than Swift on Android, which is a little disappointing as someone who enjoys Swift, but Kotlin is very similar. So has some things that Swift doesn't have yet, like uh, coroutines and things like that. Interesting. Yeah, that'll, yeah. that'll be fascinating to see, to follow along if, if you publish your results somewhere. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll write at least something about it. Um, I, if it turns out really successful, then it'll probably turn into a series of like, here's some things we're learning with this. And then, oh, we're going to try using this in a production app. And in the sort of mathematically more likely case, it'll be, uh, you know, here's here's what we thought would happen. And then here's what did happen. And uh, who knows what improvements will happen in these tools over the next couple of years. Hopefully one of them ends up being viable because uh, mm-hmm. it would be nice to be able to write native code. Uh, I mean, I, we're not going to write the whole you like I don't believe in this whole i don't know if this conversation was supposed to stay on the topic of xcoders groups and it's like diverged totally into talking about no, cross-platform frameworks but writing <laughs> writing one ui that is completely the same on both platforms has never appealed to me from a ux perspective but sharing the model and the the networking layer is something that we get a lot of value out of when we're doing things uh like some of the stuff we build has you know a non-trivial amount of, of business logic to it and it's just like so unsatisfying to write that on both platforms and Mm -hmm. fix it on both platforms so even if that means we have to write colin or maybe we can do it in swift then it would be nice to have that later and then obviously on maybe not obviously but my thinking on on (laughs) ios would be that the ui would be in swift like writing swift ui one of our android developers had a little like kind of dancing bear demo was like oh i can write this (laughs) swift ui in kotlin look at this and it's like "Mm." (laughs) i think if you like (laughs) blow on that even very slightly it's going to fall over and let it but it's worth experimenting with for sure do you share that same share the model logic and do separate uis for like mac apps versus ios apps too or are you thinking more like where there's different design languages between ios and uh, material on android yeah, well, the, having the like ha- sharing the model and the sharing the model and the networking layer in between iOS and the Mac is like a pretty obvious win most of the time. Um, For sure, I think most apps that are iOS and Mac would do that. I'm not. Maybe this is like me being old school or curmudgeonly or something, but like this <laughs> catalyst approach of like, okay, it's just going to be UI kit on all platforms and on the mm-hmm. Mac, I'm going to like click a button and then like an action sheet is going to slide out of the bottom of the window or like the <laughs> I'm picking my date with a giant scrolling, <laughs> scrolling at the month and scrolling the day. Like it doesn't really appeal to my, you know, business needs or business needs. But like if I'm picking a project we're going to work on, I want something that user experience is a priority and that it can compete on that user experience. And that means the Mac app has mm-hmm. 
the things that make the Mac an appealing platform. And so to me, that means probably building the UI for the Mac and the UI for iOS and the UI for Android if it, it ships on Android, and then trying to share the business logic key model controller stuff, and then have some sort of boundary in between those two parts, whether that's like a reactive like model or something that's mm-hmm. more like just like an, there's just a few different ways you can try and do that. You don't, sure. one of the previous projects where you tried that, you hit into a fairly obvious problem, which is just the the surface layer, the size of the surface layer in between that cross-platform stuff and the UI stuff. The wider that is, the more boilerplate and the more you know space for problems and, and frustration there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Android in particular, there's this thing called the NDK, which is when you are calling in between the sort of Java Kotlin-y Android code and quote-unquote native like C++ or Swift or something like that, every single call through that requires a bunch of boilerplate. Um, And so you want to try and minimize that layer, which is good programming practice anyway, like having different systems that can be tested and then have a narrow interface is like a good quote-unquote good Mm -hmm. thing. But when we're quickly building out prototype apps and shipping them, we have a little bit of a tendency to have a big view controller with a whole bunch of stuff in it, which (laughs) we know is bad anyway. So maybe this force will force us to be a little bit more (laughs) diligent in our, (laughs) our separation of concerns. Do you have any, uh, switching back to Xcoders topics, do you have any yes. like talks that have, have stuck out to you that you've really enjoyed or that you want to highlight? That's a great question. One thing that we've been wanting to do uh, and are now 90% completed in the prerequisites for is being able to record the talks. I know mm. that's something that Seattle Xcoders has often done or at least has done from time to time, they recorded my talk when I was there. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think is really helpful for this kind of conversation where you can say, hey, check this out. Um, this was, you maybe weren't in Vancouver, you weren't able to come out, but you can kind of see the talk. And so not having done that, sometimes it can be easy to forget like, oh, what were the really good talks? Whereas when you have the video or people are writing you about, um, hey, uh, this is cool. But a couple ones that I uh, enjoyed and thought were interesting. Um, we had one uh, last year about a it was actually a Mac app that, that did it. Um, but it was a massive multi-touch installation at a museum, um, that was allowed, I think more than 10, maybe 10 or more, like just a ridiculous number of touches at once across these giant displays, like, you know, a hundred inches, more than a hundred inches total across run by multiple. I don't know if they're Mac pros or iMac or what they were behind the scenes but and then all of the stuff that they did uh in order to make that actually work and feel like a coherent experience and so it was using a whole bunch of apple technologies in ways that they hadn't been intended to be used yeah um, which is always like a fun uh a fun just experimental like that's always a fun story to me is like you know so i tried to do something that might have seemed ill-advised here's how it went um so i enjoyed that that's that, that would be a fascinating one to see yeah, and the other one that I I just thought was like interesting in terms of like going deep on something. One of our m- more recent ones, there was a a developer from Plenty of Fish, which is here in Vancouver, and she just went super deep and did her entire talk on colors on, on iOS and like factoring code to manage colors and color management profiles and how the new stuff in the last couple versions of iOS that let you factor colors through in Xcode and 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 all that kind of stuff. And that was that was like another kind of talk that I enjoy, which is going way deeper on a particular thing than mm-hmm. you thought that you needed to know. But it turns out you do. <laughs> or at least it's interesting. So that, that's another thing I, I kind of enjoy that type of talk as well. 
Very cool. Well, I hope that uh, maybe this summer I can take my family up and, and hang out with you guys. That'd be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. I'd be happy to host you and any other Seattleites or Pacific Northwest uh, ex-coders that be interested in making the trip up. I'm happy to. Sometimes people talk about, oh, maybe we should get like a, a particular train, of, you know, this this time train and, and have everyone pile on and, uh, and do that. So that might be something that uh, we can wrangle a bunch of Seattle folks up. That'd be cool. What's it? How walkable is Vancouver? Walkable. Vancouver is extremely walkable from the standard of North American cities. I mean, Seattle's pretty walkable too. Um, But the train gets off at what is two SkyTrain stops. So there's like the train train uh, that comes from up from Portland and Seattle, and then Mm -hmm. it goes to the the train terminal that is like I don't know, probably twenty five minute walk from like downtown downtown cora waterfront where we do our meetup and then mm-hmm. there's a sky train there which is our like local rapid transit that and it's two or three stops from there and like a two dollar three dollar ticket um if That's you don't so want to do the walk and uh overall vancouver is very walkable i would definitely not encourage anyone to if you take the train you would definitely not want to rent a car when you're here um <laughs> if you drive up from seattle and you just pay whatever exorbitant amount to park somewhere downtown and then have like a hotel downtown for the night and don't like the same as if you drove into Seattle downtown, you wouldn't be like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, now I'm going to go check out Pike Place Market. I guess I'm going to get back in my car and then drive to Pike Place Market. <laughs> like that would be ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and Vancouver is even more that way. And there's lots of nice opportunities to walk around. Like the seawall is famous, which is sort of rings around the the peninsula that is downtown Vancouver. And there's lots of just nice opportunities for walks. There is one thing that I always, when people do come to Vancouver or to Xcoders, the neighborhood that is right near where the, right near Gastown, if you just go a little bit further each, if you go a little bit further east, there is a neighborhood that's, you know, pretty rough around the edges. And that's like the poorest neighborhood in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not super dangerous in the scheme of like poor neighborhoods in North America, but it's somewhere where like, if you're just like, oh, yeah, I'll just like start randomly wandering without knowing where I'm wandering, then it's worth like <laughs> being aware of that. Um, but there are many, and you know, it's interesting to see during the day too. And there's lots of like good food in Chinatown and stuff near there. Um, but definitely Vancouver is a very walkable, friendly city and lots of nice, fun places to, to adventure and check out. I'm excited to, to give it a go. Uh, cool. definitely say sales pitch. I should get a commission. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for joining me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was always always fun to talk to other people who are both working on, uh, you know, involved in meeting meet up groups and building community uh, in the iOS and, and Apple world. And also have a chance to talk about uh, convoluted uh, model and uh, cross-platform <laughs> separation of concerns. So it's a, it's a fun, uh, fun jaunt. Absolutely. Well, thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next month.